What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 280th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ, and your dream team is here. Will, how are you? No, it's it's nobody's dream. I'm not ready. Start over. It's just I, us. I need to go. Yeah, that's no dream. That's a nightmare. There's a hole in my heart. What? What is? How does that song go? Boy, I should have looked up those lyrics. What? Somebody else There's would have been more prepared. a hole in my heart? You never heard that song? Is that like John Lennon? No, it's like Jefferson Starship or something like that. Oh. You know Starship. I, I'm, I'm sure if you played a song, I would say, oh, I know that song. Well, Cindy Lauper has a song called Hole in My Heart. Can we go with that? Okay, sure, sure, right. sure. It, last episode, we pre-recorded it. It was an interview with a Pokemon Go YouTuber named Reversal, pretty popular uh, in the Pokemon Go scene. So if that interests you, go back to last week, check that out. And then there was this weird, not weird, uh, I did a little intro, a little outro just saying, hey, both Will and I were at Gen Con, and Gen Con takes up a lot of time. Obviously, we didn't bring all our recording equipment to you know do an episode. And of course, Pokemon News broke my intro i had to like quietly record something because i had friends spending the night in the other room i didn't want to wake them up because i didn't get back i didn't get back and start recording until like 1 a.m and i was still in indianapolis you were, yeah when you, were, you were recording you were still in indy so that was last week's episode hopefully you're maybe you weren't into pokemon go maybe you skipped it you came back for this week we have a lot a lot to talk about we have world's results we have a new trailer for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. We have some Pokemon Go news that, for the most part, is kind of irrelevant right now, but we should still cover it. We have some distributions going on. We have a new Z-Move, which is related to Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. We have a lot of stuff. So our show is going to be that news, and then we are going to do some emails, and then we are going to do our Pokemon of the Week, and it's just going to be us two. And then next week... I will be in Seattle for PAX West. That's going to be a recorded show there. And I'm going to, I'm going to be doing a panel with The Jaywits, a another YouTuber who like Twitch and Nintendo really seem to love. Like Jaywits is like involved in a lot of Pokemon company slash Nintendo stuff. Like he just showed off that new Nintendo gamer monopoly thing that they did like a month ago. Do you remember that, Will? No, I completely missed that. Completely. <laughs> uh, Nintendo like flew out Jaywitz and like a couple other family friendly Nintendo people, I would say. And then they de- debuted this new Monopoly game that's Nintendo focused. And I think it's called Monopoly Gamer Edition. I don't remember. Anyways, so I'll be there with Jaywitz. We're going to be do- doing a panel. It's Monday, 1230 at PAX West. It's not being streamed, but I will get it recorded for you guys. And if you're just going to PAX West or you're just in the Seattle area and you're not at PAX because you can't get tickets because it's impossible to get tickets for PAX, let me know on Twitter and I will make it an effort to meet up and say hi. And also for our younger listeners who may be falling asleep, the Pokemon of the week is Rhydon? Yes, yes. We're going to be doing Rhydon this week. Rhydon. Rhydon. <laughs> do you want to talk about PAX South? I mean, do you? I think we're like... 87% of the way there at this point. Yes. Will and I and Micah and Irene. Although Irene's never on panels because she doesn't like to speak in front of huge audiences. 
We will be at That's PAX. That's foolish because she's depriving people of her lovely voice and presence. I would like to see her on a panel. But anyways, go on. So would I. I she. I think she does. I'm, I'm. I'm not trying to speak for her, but I just happen to have lived with her for the last six years. <laughs> she does really good in like smaller groups where she can talk and socialize. But I think in front of you know 300 people, different story. Well, but you know, 300 people is just 50 groups of six. So that's the way you have to think about it. It's oh. just 50 small groups. <laughs> 50 very small groups, all staring at you. Uh, so all oh. of us will be at PAX South. And I've, I figured the reason I bring that up is because tickets are still available for PAX South. It hasn't sold out. I've been to all the PAXs now. I really like PAX South because of, one, the location. It's Texas in January, which means it's not cold, which is great. Well, it's San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, so, just Texas. Just be clear. Because Texas is a big place. Let me tell you point two. I have a bunch of points of why if you've never gone to PAX and you want to see us and you want to do Pokemon related things, why PAX South might be up your alley. So one, San Antonio and Texas, which means good weather. Two, it has the Riverwalk, which is probably one of the most gorgeous things in another city that I've experienced. Have you been to San Antonio, Will? No, I uh, pretty much when I go to Texas, I'm either doing Austin or Dallas. I've never been down to San Antonio. Um, and I do hope, because right now they're getting hit by that Hurricane Harvey, I, I hope everyone down there is okay. I just wanted to mention that. But I, I, from what I've heard, most people are doing fine. Number three, you can get Corsola in Pokemon Go down there. Nice. That's a big selling point. Number four, they have Whataburger, which I'm going to say better than In-N-Out. Is it better than Steak and Shake? Yes, it's better than Steak and Shake. And is it pronounced Whataburger? What a burger? Yes, not Waterburger. <laughs> water, well, you know, Waterburger. Whataburger. Really good. And then number five, it's pretty cheap to fly there, at least from Milwaukee to San Antonio. It's relatively inexpensive from the D.C. area as well. Whereas flying to Seattle from... From either Milwaukee or Chicago, it ranges from four to five hundred dollars, and flying to San Antonio from either Milwaukee or Chicago was like two hundred and thirty dollars. It's a huge difference. Round trip. Round trip. We should be spending more vacations in San Antonio. That's what I'm saying. And we can be stocking up on Corsola. Yep. Plus, we we have uh, great listener fans that live in San Antonio. Um, some of them fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So double <laughs> score right there. So just a heads up. PAX South is in January. I will be applying for a panel there. They have they haven't opened panel submissions yet. We will all hopefully be on a panel. Last time uh, Will and I were on a panel was PAX East. That's correct. And we had about four hundred people show up. So no, I think get in while you can. I think it was a three hundred person room. Well, did you lie to me? No, I'm pretty sure I didn't lie. Roll back the tapes. I'm pretty sure it was three hundred. But I know at PAX West they're giving me a four hundred person room. So. Whatever that means. Hopefully we fill it, because that means, you know, easier times getting into other packs. Let's get into some news. Let's start off with some TCG news, Will. The trading card game? The Pokemon trading card game. We both recently played the trading card game, the Burning Shadows pre-release sealed deck format. We did. I'll let you uh, explain how that went let me just read the press release off pokemonpodcast.com shining shining legends coming october 6 
The Pokemon Company International today announced Shining Legends, a brand new expansion for the Pokemon TCG launching in the U.S. on October 6th. For the first time in many years, Pokemon TCG players will have a chance to see and collect Shining Pokemon, including Shining Jirachi and Shining Volcanion. They will be joined in Shining Legends by a host of other mythical and legendary Pokemon such as Shaman, Marshadow, and Mewtwo GX. This set will include over 75 cards and include new powerful Pokemon GX, including level, including the likes of Mewtwo GX, Raichu GX, and more. Is that the press release? That's the press release. And then they also included the uh, Burning Shadows dance-off video between nice. Guzma and Team Skull featuring Guzma and Team Pikachu featuring Pikachu. Lots of Pikachus. So I've got a number of things to say here. Shall I enumerate them? Yeah, let's number it up. All right. Number one, those new like rainbow full art cards are so sweet. Did you see any of them? I think I got Tapu Lele. Did you get it as a rainbow full art? Yeah. Wow. I I don't know what these shining cards are supposed to be, but those rainbow cards are going to be real hard to beat. Uh, number two, we did the, the Burning Shadows pre-release together at gen con was it was i I think it was a good format to keep it very time restricted that you know it was like defined four matches and you just won tickets that you could turn in for prizes for every match that you won and everything but i think the best thing i can say is we all sat down together to open our packs and build our pre-release decks and steve was mentioning to all the people who hadn't done a pre-release before oh you know, just make your all your Pokemon basics. Don't use any evolutions <laughs> because in this format, you don't want to evolve anything. And I think in every one of the sealed decks that they provided you was the Vileplume evolution that basically, if you evolved it up to Vileplume, it was it says this this Pokemon can't take any damage from basics. I think they've got your number, Steve. <laughs> they uh they probably thought forward. Do you want to explain? Probably. I'll tell you my thought process about using basics but for those who have never done a maybe have ever done tcg we did a specific format which was called was it booster draft box no sealed sealed draft sealed deck yeah so there's there's the sealed deck draft and then there's a booster draft and the booster draft is what i don't recommend because what happens is you open up a booster pack which is 11 cards one of those cards is an energy two of those cards are are hollow slash shiny they're the shiny cards and one of them could be really good but what happens in a booster draft is you open a pack and you probably would you would get something really rare and then you take that card and then you pass it down and then you get somebody else's pack that they open yeah pretty much <laughs> you get garbage the one that we did sealed the deck which we'll we'll, we'll explain in the mo- a moment is what we happen to do but both formats cost money to enter. I think they're both $30. And you get booster packs, and you get to keep the cards when you're done. So I think we got six booster packs? Uh, Four. No, it was I definitely so. six. Was it six? Okay. I mean, I'll take your word for it. I wasn't counting. I was too excited. Yeah, so you get six booster packs. That's what, 60, 66 yep. cards? Six of those are energies. And then you make a de- and then you get like a pre-constructed deck to merge it with. Well, yeah, so that's that's kind of like it. What happens is that they have 
two, I, I think they have, it's two pre-constructed decks of 40 cards. So they pass those out. You don't know which one you're going to get. It's a little bit random. See, that's what and I didn't then, like. What? That you didn't know which one you were going to get? That there was two decks and one was better than the other. Do you think one was better than the other? I don't think so. So you got the Vileplume one, which is grass. Well, so I wouldn't call mine the Vileplume one. I would call mine the um, Zygarde one because it had a, a Zygarde, basic Zygarde. What? As the main Pokemon. Yeah. I, see, I didn't get no basic Zygarde. What was your strongest Pokemon in your pre-constructed deck? I don't know, like Soul Rock. It had like 110 HP and could retreat for one. Hey, nice. Um, so anyways, the format. It wasn't good enough. But no, no, this, get... is my, this is my complaint. You had Zygarde, a basic Pokemon, which I think it had, what, 120 HP? Yep. It probably had some decent moves. And then you had Vileplume, so that meant, that means you had Oddish, you had Gloom, you had all these grass Pokemon to accompany Wait, it. Wait, so you didn't have Vileplume at all? No. I had a Rhyhorn and a Rhydon deck. Wow. So it gave, right. me, it gave me three Rhyhorns, two Rhydons, one Rhyperior, and then I just happened to, in my booster packs, open another Rhyhorn and another Rhydon. So I was doing four, three, one, which is fine, but... All my rock Pokemon were weak against grass. <laughs> yeah, they are. I think I think overall the format was good. Maybe you maybe you want to touch on what the old format was real quick. But there should have been more than just two decks, one with an obvious weakness to the other. Yeah, I mean, but but just to also to fill out the format, you get the forty cards in the pre-constructed deck, and then you get a few booster packs. I don't remember if it was six or four or whatever. But then you just take all those cards, so the 40 plus the 66, and then you make a 40-card deck out of all of them. So it does help in that, at least in the pre-constructed deck, you know that you're going to have enough Pokemon to actually make a functioning deck and supporters. There's no energy in the pre-constructed deck. It's literally just Pokemon and trainer cards, supporters and tools. The old format, yeah, there were two old formats. One was you would get... Uh, I think you would get like just the six booster packs or eight booster packs and whatever you pulled from those packs you would use to make a 40 card deck filling it out with energy cards with whatever you whatever space you had left you just fill with energy cards or you could do the booster draft which was you know take one and then pass the rest of the pack to the right and you know you take the best card and then just give all the garbage to everybody else. I like the sealed deck just because there's some level of guarantee that you're going to have a functional deck. You're, you're going to have a certain number of trainers and supporters uh, guaranteed as part of your uh, constructed deck. I don't know. I, it's fun for me. Yeah, no, no, I liked it a lot. A lot of people there that that was like their first time playing or they were relatively new. Usually, though, so the benefit of doing something like a, a sealed deck draft, they usually do this before the set comes out. So it's your first opportunity to to use these new cards. Uh, and then in the past, there wasn't really any prizes. So what would happen is you would put together these decks that you didn't have enough cards for, so you had to fill out with energy. So they were really boring games. And that's kind of why in the past, coming full circle, I would tell people just put basic Pokemon in because what you were drawing out of those booster packs, you weren't getting enough trainer cards or supporters to go through your deck fast enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could you could draw a Rhyperior on turn one, but if you're only drawing one card at a time, you're not going to get... By the time you get to a Rhydon to you know, fill in that gap, 
usually the game's over. And then what also happens in those drafts is whoever pulls an e, a basic EX, uh, they usually win because they yeah. don't have to wait for any evolution <laughs> once they get two or three energy on it because it has so much HP, usually 180 HP or 190 HP. It usually, once it gets powered up, it steamrolls. So these decks give you a little bit more of a chance uh, to make things happen. In the past, you would, I think you would get, you would get like six or eight boosters and then you would do three rounds and then you would get two more boosters at the end and that was it they just winning or losing didn't matter they just wanted you to play three rounds to get your two boosters because what before they even did that way back in the day uh people would just buy the car like do the pre-release buy the cards and then just leave they wouldn't actually play and obviously that's what (laughs) play pokemon doesn't want that uh so in this format while you're paying the same that you did in the past and you're getting less booster packs. If you win, you have a chance of getting more booster packs, which some people uh, well, might not like. You know, at the pre-releases I went to, like the winner, like winner would get a box of cards, and then like second place would get half a box. But still, that's only two people. Who's get, who's giving away a hundred dollar box of cards at a pre-release? Uh, stores, hobby stores. They must have had a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Pre-releases were like. 60 people. Oh my gosh. Uh, like pre-releases that I used to go to are like maybe 25 people. No, not not here in the East Coast, buddy. <laughs> oh man. So everyone got a ticket for participating. One ticket got you one booster pack. And then every time you won a match, you got two tickets for winning. There were four rounds. I won three of four. So I walked away with seven tickets, which is seven booster packs, which if each booster pack is... Three ninety nine. Let's do some basic math here. That's twenty eight dollars worth of boosters that I won. Oh, you only lost two dollars on the deal. Oh wait, no, because you got the booster packs to start with, so exactly. you made money off of it. I made money. Uh, I think Irene won one out of her four. Will, I think you won three. I won three out of four. There yep. you go. See, yeah. So overall, it was really great. I mean, I had fun. I would do it again. I was able to get Greg a hat. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they had other prizes besides booster packs. They had a Rowlet hat that was, I think it was like 10, you needed 10 tickets for it. Yep. And since I had seven, I gave, and Greg had Greg five, won I think. one or two matches. I think he won two. So he had five, I had seven. So I gave him five of mine, and then I used two to just get two booster packs for myself. And then I violated the rules by opening my booster packs before we went to Steak and Shake when yep. everybody else opened theirs and oops. But the thing is this my second to last opponent, she was like collecting full art supporter cards and she showed me her binder and it was like everything from the beginning of the black and white era, she had every supporter as a full art and like multiple copies and I was like, well if I pull a full art supporter, I'll give her one because I'm well, generous. Why are you so nice? I don't know. It's just the way I was raised. I hate it. It's the worst. When I was when I was very into the TCG, I I think I was running all full art supporters if I could. Like four full art junipers and full art charons and full art nah, no one was really running full art Bianca. I mean I had full art Bianca, but no one's running Bianca. No. <laughs> <laughs> to run those junipers. All right, let's uh, let's shift some gears here to some more Pokemon news. Mimikyu to be available at Pokemon Center stores in Japan. A shiny Mimikyu will be distributed 
for Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon at Pokemon Center and Pokemon Stores in Japan from September 22nd to November 16th. This is part of the Disguise Sparkling Ghost Party campaign, a promotion that is celebrating Halloween. This is a dumb question. Japan celebrates Halloween? Sure they do. Why, why wouldn't they? They celebrate all the holidays, the Japanese ones and the Western ones, because they just love to party in Japan. All right. I thought Halloween was a very American thing. No, Western, not, not American. Oh, There's okay. Halloween in Europe as well. Some more Japanese-specific news here, but I think we will be getting American versions of this. Packaged Pokemon Gold Silver Virtual Console to be released in Japan. Download codes for the Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console releases of Pokemon Go and Pokemon Silver will be available at retailers in Japan. Download codes will be available in Japan for 1,111 yen. They can start being purchased on September 4th, although the games cannot be downloaded until the release on September 22nd. Special edition download codes will be released in Japan on September 22nd for 1,389 yen. These special editions come in a special box based on the original Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver boxes. It will include a download game for the code, a magnet shaped like the original Game Boy cartridge, and stickers associated with the game. And it will have a poster featuring Pokemon and a type chart for Generation 2. Packaged versions of the Virtual Console releases of Pokemon Gold and Silver will also be released in Europe, although it's not confirmed if they include anything other than the download codes. Download code cards and download code special editions were available in Japan for the release of Pokemon Red, Green, Blue, and Yellow on the Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console. The special edition included similar contents to the Gold and Silver special edition. I feel like we might be getting these. Oh, I, I believe so, because that's something that people will buy, and, and because they want to have it on their shelf next to all of their other stuff that's just material possessions dragging them down. We didn't get anything for red, blue, or yellow in, like, in store. We didn't get any no, box I copies, but so. I also don't think Europe did. So this is the first time Europe's getting it, which kind of leads me to believe that we would be getting it. Well, I mean, sometimes Europe gets good stuff that we don't get. I guess. There's a lot of value to the, putting these on a shelf, though. Like, yeah, it, because people love to buy stuff. Right. And if you're walking down Target and you go to the video game aisle because you want to see what, what Amiibos got picked over, and you see this... And you think, oh, I bought a 3DS because Pokemon Go was a big thing and I wanted to try the new Pokemon games. And you see your childhood game of gold and silver. Probably, uh, what do they call those? An impulse buy. Or you could be that one parent that's like, I, I know my kid likes them Pokebugs. And uh, look, it's a new Pokebug game. And then they buy it and they bring it home and their kid opens it up and they're like, there's nothing inside, mom and dad. What did you do? And then the parents are like, I'm furious. They sold me an empty box of nothingness <laughs> except these zeros and ones. What's going on here? Because I live in the worst part of Oklahoma where the internet still has not arrived. I really want the magnets. Magnets? Are, there's magnets? I wasn't paying attention. There's magnets in these boxes? <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> in the special edition, there's magnets that look like the original Game Boy games. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't need magnets. Do you even have a fridge? I do have a refrigerator. It's just empty because my shipment of Soylent hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> uh, True story, folks. I, I know the big thing is the Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon stuff. 
So let's not do that right yet. Let's not do that yet. Let's talk about me too. Speaking of old Pokemon, <laughs> this email from Niantic I got on August 15th. So I'm pretty sure that was the day we, we both left for Gen Con. Yep. Niantic has revealed in a blog post this morning that over the last week, more than 2 million fans from around the world joined together to celebrate their love of Pokemon and Pokemon Go at Pokemon Go events supported by Niantic at Pikachu Outbreak, hosted by the Pokemon Company and Yokohama, Japan. Yokohama. Over the seven-day celebration, players traversed the city of Yokohama and its beautiful parks to catch over 120 million Pokemon, including over 15 million Pikachu. Additional information on one of the biggest real-world gaming events to date. So more importantly of this, so we, 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 we've talked a lot about the Yokohama event prior. Uh, they got a region-specific Pokemon. They got Mr. Mime, which is Europe's Pokemon. They got a bunch of Pikachu spawns were were increased. They got shiny Pikachu. And according to some data miners, they confirmed that shiny Pichu is something that exists. But I don't know if anyone has gotten shiny Pichu yet. I certainly haven't. Shiny Pichu only being able to be hatched, just like Ash Hat Pikachu. You can only hatch one of those. Pichu, sorry. But the big thing that came out of this was Mewtwo. So the Yokohama event ended with uh, Mewtwo debuting. It happened in one of their stadiums. It was invite only. From my understanding, there was a raffle system. You signed up for the raffle. If you got picked, you got invited to the stadium. No one knew what was at the stadium. People assumed that it was going to be Mewtwo or Ho-Oh or something of the sort. Once inside the stadium, there were three gyms. And there was this huge countdown. There was fireworks. Mewtwo appeared. It was actually really cool if you, if, if anyone watched a recap video of how they debuted it. I am assuming that's what it was supposed to be for Pokemon Go Fest leading up to Lugia. Because I think Pokemon Go Fest had five gyms inside the park. Three? Five? Each? Uh, no. it, was, it was a number, yes. It was four. Four, four. Each, each team had a gym, and then the main stage was a gym. It was four. Yes. Mewtwo appeared... And it had a 100% catch rate. So just to clear up some things, uh, everyone got 50 balls. That doesn't mean when Mewtwo appears for everyone else where you're going to get 50 balls. It was... It, <laughs> they had a 100% catch rate. Looking at the photos, there was a lot of very, very young kids. I'm assuming they gave everyone 50 balls to make sure like a kid could throw more than 10 or 12 balls and still actually catch it. You know, because kids, kids get excited. They throw... They throw a lot of balls. They might miss. While there were only three gyms with three Mewtwo's, you could only catch one. So this is all very different than how Pokemon Go Fest happened because we've talked about it before. Pokemon Go Fest didn't go so well. They just put <laughs> Mewtwo's and Articuno's out in the wild and people roamed Chicago and it was 100% catch rate for people who scanned the QR codes. QR code system, still the same thing here in Yokohama. They had a the part of the... Um, invite system gave you the qr code that you got when you walked in i don't think any of those qr codes leaked by the way like how the spoofers somehow got qr anyways none of that matters so before we talk about mewtwo appearing everywhere else will how do you think that was set up that that gone thoughts on it being mewtwo well i'm glad that they finally released mewtwo that's just like people have been waiting for that for forever now 
I mean, I, I walked past about 10 gyms. I, I know a lot of our listeners are going to hate me because they live in like Rural. just not Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah. And I walk like past 10 to 20 gyms a day. Um, but I know that there are some people that gather like around the corner from my house uh, for raids that there's usually like about 20 people there when there is a raid. So it'd be pretty easy for me to at least defeat the raid. I'm not very good at catching things when we um, finish raids. Like at Gen Con, I did not get the Zapdos or the Articuno that we did. (sighs) Did you get any legendary Pokemon? Not at Gen Con, no. My Gen Con experience was mostly playing Pokemon Go. Yes, it was. This is not a lie. I he really, paid a thousand dollars to play Pokemon Go in downtown Indianapolis. I, re- I really like Pokemon Go. Okay, so let me read the the Mewtwo press release. Uh, Mewtwo coming to exclusive raid battles soon. Trainers earlier today, trainers battled against the legendary Pokemon Mewtwo at the Pokemon Go Stadium events in Yokohama, Japan. Thousands of trainers in attendance were able to successfully catch Mewtwo and add it to their Pokedexes. In the coming weeks, you too will have the opportunity to battle and catch Mewtwo with the new exclusive raid battle feature. Exclusive raid battles are similar to existing raid battles with a few notable differences. Exclusive raids will be per- will periodically appear at gyms around the world. However, unlike existing raids, trainers will be invited to join an exclusive raid battle. To receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive raid battle, trainers must have successfully completed a raid recently by defeating a raid boss at the gym where the exclusive raid battle was will be taking place. The invitations hey. The invitation will include advance warning of when the exclusive raid will take place, given them ample time to coordinate with other trainers before taking on the powerful raid boss. Mewtwo is the first Pokemon that trainers will be able to face in the exclusive raid battle, but other powerful Pokemon may start to hatch from raid eggs found at exclusive raid battles over the next several weeks. Make sure you are prepared to battle Mewtwo by powering up your Pokemon and battling in raids at gyms near you. Finally, I'm not prepared. Legendary Oof. Pokemon take flight. Over the past three weeks, thousands of legendary Pokemon have been defeated in raid battles around the world. In celebration of this achievement and give trainers another chance to catch Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres, and Lugia, all four of these legendary Pokemon can be battled in a raid battle from August 14th through August 31st. Be on the lookout for these legendary Pokemon at a raid near you. So before we get to Mewtwo, because there's a lot there, I have a complaint. I read r slash Road. I read r slash Pokemon Go. I read all the press releases that, you know, Verge reports on, Polygon rever- reports on, Game Informer. I, re- I, 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 I got it all covered, right? I just happen to talk about Pokemon every week, so I try to stay up on the Pokemon news. That's a good thing to do. So with the Mewtwo announcement and with the Legendary Birds coming back, I saw a lot of complaints of, Oh, I'm so tired of raids. Give us a break. Give us a chance to take a break before we get more raids. This is my complaint. No one was forcing any of these people to catch 17 Articuno or 12 Moltres or 15 Zapdos or 20 Lugia. Now, if, if you did 20 Articuno and you only caught one, one, luck is clearly not on your side. And two, you probably have to slow down and work on your, your curveballs. Because as Will can firsthand confirm with me, 
I caught pretty much every legendary Pokemon because I'm pretty good at throwing the ball. That is true. I will confirm that. And I think the first time we did Zapdos together, I was still on ball two and you went through all your balls. Because I'm bad at it. I'm not good at throwing the curveballs. <laughs> so advice, just, you know, slow down. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but really just when you're doing legendary Pokemon, just slow down. Just take your time. Use your golden raspberries or your raspberries. Don't do the Naba berries. Ignore that. That doesn't matter. Just wait for the Pokemon to attack. Maybe wait for it to attack again so you learn its attack animation and just throw the ball after it attacks and it will connect. Also, when you're not participating with legendary Pokemon, practice your curveballs because a throwing a curveball is better than just using a great ball. And you don't have options to great balls in, in legendary raids. So going back to this, I think it's great that they gave everyone an opportunity to catch these Pokemon again. I caught a handful of Articuno. I happened to be in Chicago that weekend because Pokemon Go Fest, so I, I stocked up on Articuno. They were very easy for me to get. The week Moltres came out, I was extremely busy. I only caught one, so it was very, very nice to be able to catch another. Irene didn't catch any that week because she was also very busy. Zapdos, I caught a handful. That was great. So when Moltres was spawning at Gen Con because it was there, all four were on cycle, it was a really good feeling of being like, oh, I have another opportunity to catch an extra Moltres. For some reason, I just really wanted two, but that's fine. The people complaining about being burnt out, I mean, you kind of did that to yourselves. Well, there's actually no requirement to play Pokemon Go at all. That's true, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, actually, you know, for each legendary that I have, I'm like, I'm happy I have that one. And then if I see another raid, I'm not going to go out of my way to get that same one. I, yeah, no obligation there. So I just stay chill. Now going back to Mewtwo, now this is an ex exclusive raid battle. Something we haven't seen before. There's little to no information about this. Again, lots of complaints flooding in through Twitter, Facebook, Reddit about how this works. We don't know. I can, I, Will and I can sit here and speculate. The internet has already sat there and, and speculated of, we need to be doing raids every day. We don't know where to be doing raids. What if I did a raid and then I traveled to Seattle the next week? Does that mean I don't get to participate? We don't know. There's not enough information in this press release to tell us what needs to be done. I did, I did email Niantic uh, after they sent me the press release, which pretty much says the same thing as this, as this blog post. And I got a response back saying that more information will be revealed closer to, that, to, to the date. Date unknown. I'm assuming that Mewtwo is going to start spawning on September 1st. That would be my guess because these legendary birds end on August 31st. My assumption, though, is... This would be my guess, is that Lugia and Articuno and Moltres and Zapdos, I bet they were all supposed to be exclusive raid battles. And because of the mess that happened at Pokemon Go Fest and how we got rid of the egg system and all these Pokemon just started spawning, which messed up the time zone stuff, because there were no eggs counting down, Pokemon would start appearing at like 6 a.m., and those raids would start ending at 7 p.m., which when we had the egg system, the eggs would start appearing at 6 a.m., which means the Pokemon would start appearing at 8 because you would see the eggs, and then Pokemon would end at about 9 p.m. And now we lost two hours at night because of the eggs going away. But I think that all has to do with them just trying to push out these legendary Pokemon to get rid of the bad 
press that they were getting for the festival. Because if you watch the original trailer, they those Pokemon were popping out of eggs. And more specifically, some of those eggs had two-day timers. Like the black eggs had two-day timers. I believe you. I know a lot of people don't like the egg system. I have like a love-hate relationship with it. Like it's nice to just see an Articuno pop and go, oh, cool, it just popped. It has two hours. It's plenty of time to get people and tell them that there's Articuno. But if they're doing something like a Mewtwo, or I would even say any legendary Pokemon, if that egg had like a two-day timer to be like, okay, in two days, I can make plans to, you know, take... 20 minutes out of my day to go to this location where I know this egg is going to pop. I know it's going to be a legendary Pokemon. If it's not all four legendary Pokemon at once, we probably know which legendary Pokemon it's going to be. In this case, it's going to be Mewtwo. Uh, And then I can coordinate with Facebook or Discord or Slack or Twitter uh, of, hey, let's meet here at, you know, 1.30. The egg pops at 1, but, you know, just so everyone gets here at time, let's meet here at 1.30. Let's do Mewtwo. Let's go. Now, we don't know... It seems you need you need to be invited to this, which I think is fine. I think that's good, uh, but I, I don't know what the requirements are. It says that you had to at least have done some sort of raid battles. We don't know if that's one raid. We don't know if that's ten raids. We don't know if that's a raid in the last week. We don't know if that's a raid ever since raids appeared. We don't know if Mewtwo or any of these legend- other legendary Pokemon are going to be at select stops. We just don't know. If I was Niantic... I would I would probably say, hey, so-and-so at least done three raids since the start of the game. Here's your invite. They're not gonna they're not gonna set it up in some situation where they're not inviting tons of people. Because one, they need a ton of people to do this because it will make news and it will make their game get back into media, which they want. And two, anytime they do raids. Their app jumps from like number 20 in the App Store to number one or two in the App Store. For everyone complaining that they've messed this up, this is a terrible system, they don't know what they're doing. While they might not know what they're doing, they do know that they want it to be successful. And so I don't think that they're going to mess it up because getting news media to cover them for Mewtwo and getting their app to number one in the app store because of how they they set up a raid system is what they want their company they want to make money so they're not going to intentionally make people upset and intentionally keep people from getting Mewtwo they're just setting these minor requirements prior to that to make it feel more special and i think if anything Mewtwo should feel special oh definitely but one thing i'm confused about they said you have to defeat a raid boss at that gym to get the pass for raid so it seems pretty clear you just need to they're really encouraging you to go out and do as many raids of all sorts magikarp through tyranitar because you never know which one is going to pop out the special raid invitation for defeating the boss that's true but we don't know what the time frame is like i've done i've done raids in milwaukee at probably over 30 different locations so if it's just do a raid at this location since raids have started, and uh, how long have raids been out? Like two months? That's not bad. Oh, that. you no. Know, yeah, I didn't hear it that way. I heard it as they're going to set a point in time and they're say from now forward, do whenever you do a boss raid at a, a gym where a Mewtwo is going to show up, you will pop out the special invitation once you defeat the boss at that gym. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a good way too. If you're going to say that the target three miles down the road for me 
if Mewtwo's going to be there in two days and they're going to have raids, they're going to have raids active up to those two days and you just have to do a raid there, you know, two days before Mewtwo. Like, oh, hey, there's a, there's a executor here. Do the executor, get the exclusive raid pass. Okay, come back now in, in 32 hours and Mewtwo will let you battle. I think that's a great way to do it too because you're forcing everyone to come to the location to do the baby raid together and then in two days they come back and they do the Mewtwo together. I think that's cool. Yeah, because then you know it's a place that you know you can get to, you can get back to, right? Because you've been there, you know where it is, and you've got a new timer to work with. The only concern with that is you probably don't want like 60 people standing in a Target parking lot and possibly, you know, quote unquote loitering. Well, how many targets are gyms? Uh, well, I guess I guess my target isn't a gym, but there's a Sprint store literally attached to the target. Trust me, Sprint wants the business. That's all right. That's true. Loiter all you want, folks. <laughs> Sprint is encouraging it. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see with Mewtwo. I think it'll be very interesting. Like I said before, I suspect this is how it was always supposed to be done. The other thing about it being an exclusive raid pass, which I think is a, I think it matters, is they control how many Mewtwo's get out there. Just like oh, they definitely, did, yeah. Just like they did in Yokohama, everyone walked away with from that event with one Mewtwo. And I think that you lose value in your legendary Pokemon when you go to a Tyranitar raid and there are eight of you and you all are using... Tyranitar may be a bad example, but let's say everyone's using Lugia and then everyone's Lugia faints and then everyone brings out another Lugia. And then after that, they bring out Articuno. And it's you really kind of lose the specialness of a Zapdos when you have 12 Zapdoses. Well, I mean, I only have four Lugia. <laughs> so I don't know what your complaint is. Let's move on to Worlds. <laughs> May as well. Uh, okay, so uh, I didn't... I hate saying this. I didn't watch Worlds. I had a good reason, though. Uh, we were a bit busy, we were, unfortunately. We just happened to pay a lot of money to be at Gen Con. Well, literally, now let's be honest with the listeners. This is literally our one Pokemon-free vacation week that we take every year. <laughs> I mean, out of all the weeks of the year, it is our one Pokemon-free vacation week. And I don't appreciate the Pokemon company scheduling worlds for our vacation week. That, that's true. But we did do Pokemon-related things. We played Pokemon Go, and we played the TCG. Yeah, that's like... That was on our time, Pokemon. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> exactly. on our time. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to do Masters here, because I know that... I know the, uh, the, our audience here is, is mostly Masters. But for the TCG, this is off uh, Pokemon.com, by the way. The Masters was... Your winner was Diego Casarega from AR Argentina. Argentina. Verse Nanto Suzuki from Japan. Uh, I guess I'll read what, what they use here because they'll, this press release describes what happened in the fight. The Master Division World Championship Finals featured Diego Casarega from Argentina versus Nato Suzuki from Japan, two players who demonstrated the best of what the Pokemon TCG gameplay has to offer. Diego brought a Garvador GX deck while Nato went with a Garbodor and a Galaspod GX deck. Beyond the decks being played, this was truly a battle of minds with every decision made 
under utmost focus. The crowd was definitely in for a treat. Before I continue, I just want to say Garboder, Pokemon Company loves Garboder for the TCG. Oh, absolutely. That card is dominant. It's pretty similar in every format, whether that's Black or White, Team Plasma, uh, Sun and Moon, Burning Shadows, whatever for any format I missed in between. Opening the first game, uh, Nato was able to set up his bench quickly while Diego struggled to get going. Diego began off with his two Krillia, Krillia among his prizes, Krillia among his prizes, which meant he had to rely on rare candy to get the game going. Something he didn't want to do with Garbodor and Trashalanch lurking. That was Garbodor's move, Trashalanch. But it was uh, Nato's other Garbodor with Garbotoxin. That had a big impact on the game, shutting down Tapu Lele's GX's Wonder Tag and Garvador's Secret Spring abilities. Fortunately for Diego, a couple well-timed field blowers gave him the window he needed to eke out the victory in the first game. The second game was even more, with neither player willing to go on the offensive too early despite deliberate pace. Fans were in a treat with the opportunity to watch competitors at the top of their game. Throughout the tournament, these players who very rarely made mistakes... The second game was notable again for Nieto's Garboder with Garbotoxin ability, this time affecting Diego's Octillery and the drawing power of its abysmal hand ability. At the perfect moment, Diego drew a field blower off the top of his deck, allowing him to remove a tool card attached to Garboder and thus shutting off Garbotoxin. Diego then played N to get Nieto's hand down to a single card. Nieto didn't need the card. Didn't get the card needed and was forced to pass, opening the door for Diego to become the new Pokemon TCG Masters Division World Champion. And this is his third top eight finish for Diego in the 13 years he had attended Pokemon World Championships. 13 years. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) Uh, I want to say he's probably the oldest Masters Champion that they've ever had. I think so. As far as I'm aware. You looked up his age, right? Uh, 34. Yep. It has to be the oldest winner in both TCG and VGC. But think about it. He's been playing uh, Pokemon Masters Division since he was 21. Wow. Uh, that's dedication. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that he finally got his win. Although, you know, two top eights prior to that is, is still very impressive at Worlds. Absolutely, yes. Let's do VGC here. This was Ryota Ob- uh, Obsubo from Japan versus Sam Pinellas from Australia. The Masters Division Finals pitted 2017 Japanese National Champion Ryoto against Australia's Sam, I'm just going to say the first names, Sam, who was returning after a top 16 finish last year at the World Championship. One of the key characteristics of uh, Ryoto's team is a wealth of Pokemon capable of dealing large burst damage, which can allow him to take an early advantage in these matches. Sam's Ninetales endured his team would be able to stand up against Ryota's assault by setting up Aurora Veil added by a light clay. Even though Ryoto was able to dismiss Ninetales on the first turn of the game, it wasn't enough. Sam's Garchomp ha- and Zerkatree were able to boost their stats under Aurora Veil's protection, setting up a decisive game for game one victory for the Australian. The Japanese national champion brought his Whimsicott in Game 2, giving him access to Tailwind, in which so 
so that the match, giving him access to Tailwind so that he could match Sam's Mandibuzz. But it was Marowak's Brick Break that allowed the proved decisive for Ryota in game two. The fighting type move can break through barriers like Ninetales Aurora Veil, which allowed Ryoto to break down Sam's primary strategy. The third game opened with one of the Pokemon's strangest interaction. Ryota attempted to use Z Nature Power, a move that gains increased priority because of Whimsicott's prankster ability. Even though Z Nature Power normally becomes Twinkle Tackle on Misty Terrain, a dark type Pokemon's immunity to the move enhanced by Prankster still applies. Whimsicott targeted Mandibuzz, so Ryoto lost his Z-move for nothing on the first turn of the match. Despite an early miscue, Ryoto rallied, making for another unbelievable match. I did not know that. That seems very exciting that he used the Z-move and it did nothing. Yeah, that seems like a huge mistake for somebody playing Masters level. It's still one. Also, can we talk about how Mandibuzz was in the finals? What? Well, uh, why not? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, it's just like this has been the format this past year that, you know, everybody's got a chance. I've heard and, people. Like, there's been a lot of stuff. Have loved this format. Well, yeah, because a lot of different Pokemon are viable and it's not, you know, three genies, uh, Sableye. Shrek, or, no, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, you're thinking uh, TCG when you're, when you're saying Sableye. <laughs> No, 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 because Prankster Sableye is what I was thinking of, but um, like Genies and uh, Dark Void Smeargle, that was my strategy, <laughs> some some Primals, and, and there you go, and it's like, where's the fun in that? So, yeah, I mean, there's just been a lot of diversity. Uh, it seems really great. I'll probably go back and watch these matches. Uh, they also announced that 2018 Pokemon World Championship will be in Nashville, Tennessee. Very exciting. Very cheap to fly to Nashville that, than it is to fly to Anaheim. Oh, I could drive to Nashville. Heck. I could actually probably drive to Nashville, too, speaking, speaking of driving. You know, I watched, I watched a couple replays here. Noticed when um, Ryoto won, well, both competitors had their respective flags around their shoulders. And this is like a thing that I've noticed in a lot of Masters VGC specific competitions. They're very country focused, I guess. Well, they're they're showing their national pride. Yes. Does that matter that much though? Like, uh, like if I if I made it to finals, I wouldn't want an American flag on my back. Not saying I'm like not patriotic or anything, but it has nothing to do with America. It has to do with me as a player. <laughs> yeah. So I think. I, I agree with you, and I think that this is uh, a lot of the confusion that the VGC Masters players are showing. Like, you, you see, like, Olympians and stuff do that kind of stuff, like, show their national pride and their flag and everything, but here's the but key they're difference. They're rep- in, a, in the Olympics, they're representing their country. Even more key difference than that, the U.S. government pays for Olympians to go to the Olympics. U.S. government don't give no Pokemon Masters a dime to go to World <laughs> Championships. So, yeah, you're right. That win is yours. You paid for it with gas, sweat equity, and effort to train yourself and not having a good job and just, you know, playing Pokemon all the time. Uh, so, 
I mean, I would, I agree with you. This has nothing to do with national pride and all about my own pride. What I, I, and I don't know. I actually don't know if they are encouraged. Like, where are they getting the flag from? Do they bring the flag themselves? I, I, sure. I feel like every every competitor has had the flag, whether that's U.S., I Japan, mean, Australia, you know, U.K., wh- whoever's making it into the finals. I feel like they always have the flag. I'm assuming the flag is there. So if you're a viewer watching on Twitch, you can easily identify with who you want to win. If I if I, if I was to make a wrestling reference. It's hard to watch a wrestling match without caring about the people in the match. That's why before wrestling matches happen, they give you like this 90-second promo of why these two wrestlers are fighting. So in that promo, you can make up uh make up your mind of who you want to root for based off of what, you know, what the storyline was. The flag is probably there to be like, I don't know any of these players, but this guy has an American flag cool, I'm going to root for that guy because America. But I don't think that's needed in Pokemon because I've always made all my decisions of who I'm going to root for when I'm watching a game, whether that's live at Worlds because I've been to Worlds, live at Nationals because I've been to a handful of Nationals, watching uh, two players compete at uh, a cities or at a, a, a store tournament level, whether that's VGC or TCG, I have always picked who I want to root for based off the Pokemon they're playing themselves. I feel like the Pokemon in their decks or the Pokemon on their team have enough sway and enough character and enough relatability where the flag doesn't matter. I don't care if this guy is from Japan. He's using Zerkatry. That's really sweet. I want him to win because he's using Zerkatry. Or to flip that coin, I haven't seen Amanda Buzz compete competitively ever. So I want this guy to win because he has Mandibuzz. I don't think the flag matters at all. Well, I mean, you're not like everybody out there, but I agree. I mean, I just want to see good Pokemon competition. I don't care who wins, really, one way or the other. I just want to see a good battle, good strategies, and good fights. I, I And going back to the guy who had Pachirisu, it had nothing to do about what country he was from. Korea. What matches he had to do prior to that. What flag was on his shoulders. It had to do with the fact that he had a Pachirisu. That is the only thing that mattered. South Korea, well, I mean, I would his assume. other Pokemon did contribute as well. It wasn't just a Pachirisu versus four <laughs> battle. <laughs> Not how I remember it. <laughs> I was there. I was in the room when it happened. Oh, yeah, that was Washington, D.C. All right. What we'll do now is we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Sun and Moon trailer, do some emails, do our Pokemon of the Week, wrap the show. My apologies that the show has been so long, but, you know, that's what, that's what you get when we couldn't cover things last week. So we will yep. be right back. Garbage. 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 And we are back from our break. Let's uh, let's do a couple little news articles that we might have missed. Announced that Pokemon Worlds Ultra Beast are coming to the Pokemon TCG. They showed off Buzzwall GX and Guzzlord GX. Nice. Pokemon Tournament DX will be featured at Worlds 2018, so that's not going away for anyone still playing that fighting game. Well, I guess moving from Wii U to Switch. 
but the Switch version will be the one being played next year at Worlds. As of right now, the Pokemon Tournament DX demo is available on the eShop for Nintendo Switch. The demo lets you play 15 times before it quote-unquote expires. Uh, an easy way to get around this, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but uh, simply delete the download, re-download it again, you'll get another 15 tries. So technically you get infinite tries because you just keep deleting and re-downloading yep. on the Nintendo Switch that I still don't own. Yes. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but uh, during Worlds, there were Kangaskhan spawning in Pokemon Go, which is an Australian exclusive Pokemon. Uh, Niantic also increased the spawns for Tauros in the area, which makes sense because Tauros being the North American exclusive, you have all these people traveling from Australia, Japan, Korea, England, Germany, Argentina. You want them to be able to find Tauros in their weekend in America. Also, Niantic increased the spawn rate for unknown. And the if you the letters for unknown spelled worlds, W-O-R-L-D-S for your shapes with your letters for unknown, which is pretty cool. And all in all, I think that just doubles doubles down on the fact that Pokemon does care about Pokemon Go. I mean, obviously, they trusted Niantic with with their franchise, just as they, they trust Game Freak with making the games. So yeah, I just I just think that's very cool that they did that for the weekend. I would hope at future Pokemon events, like something even like uh, Nationals, that they, they do something like that in the future as well. Well, yeah, because there's no more Nationals. They're all Internationals. International so. Nationals. Yeah. Let's talk about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon here. That's the new hotness. That's Yes. The Pokemon, this was August 18th, the Pokemon Company International and Nintendo have revealed more details about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, including a new story, Z Power Ring information, and new main character styles. In Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon, the story centraled heavily around the legendary Pokemon Solgaleo and Lunala. In Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, a new story unfolds featuring ne Necrozma, Alongside the legendary duo, ominous dark clouds begin to spread and the secret of Necrozma and the Alola region, which have never been dis disclosed in previous games, will finally come to light. They go on to say half the world will be frozen over, there will be two new gyms, Curie- oh wait, wait, sorry, it's black, it's black and white too. Uh, the main characters that appear in Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon will feature brand new styles. Players can pick their appearances at the beginning of the game and choose either Rowlet, Litten, or Poplio to begin their as-yet-unknown adventure in style. Who are you going to pick as your starter? I'm picking Poplio this time. Who did you? Oh, you had Litten the last time. Yeah. yeah. Who are you picking? Not a Rowlet fan, huh? I mean, I like Rowlet, but I, ex like, I love the Litten line, right? Because I'm a big wrestling fan. And you like kitty cats. And I love cats. But there's something, like, the, the more I say Poplio out loud, the more I look at Poplio's design, Poplio, like, the Generation 7 starters are some of the best starters in decades. Well, I mean, Pokemon's only been around for 25 years. Decades, so. <laughs> Will. Decades. Like, Poplio's name is just so good to say, too. It just feels really good leaving your mouth. It's got a good, good mouthfeel for you? Uh, uh, excellent mouthfeel. Who are you picking? Well, I did Rowlet for my Moon playthrough. I did Poplio for my Sun playthrough, although I immediately boxed it as soon as I could start trading for oh other Pokemon. Oh my gosh! 
Poplio so is I, so great. Yeah, I know, but my son playthrough is like all different generations of Pokemon that I just built my own team, and I'm not catching any of the Lolan Pokemon. So, I mean, I might might as well do Litten for Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, or I might do Rowlet Junior because uh, Decidueye is real good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Also discovered in the story is a new Z-Power ring, which will allow players to acquire in-game and can activate to use an even wider variety of Z-Moves. A physical toy of the new Z-Power ring will be available at launch to purchase and interacts with the video game. Interesting. Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon launch exclusively on the Nintendo 3DS Family of Systems on 17 November. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> Well, that's very European. Uh, it is, it is. On 17 November, and a special Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon Ultra Dual Edition will also be available. The Ultra Dual Edition features exclusive design packaging and contains a copy of both Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Okay, so that's the press release. Let's talk about the trailer. The thing that stood out the most to me was they put a lot of emphasis on Komo-O's Z-Move. Clangorous Soul Charge. Wait, did they have two trailers? That one, that was a different one, wasn't yes. it? We can talk about that real quick, though, since you brought it up. Clangorous Soul Blaze is what I have in front of me. Yeah. That trailer confirms that there will be new Z moves and new Z crystals. One being for Komo'o, which... Komo'o. It's a Dragon-type move that damages both Pokemon in a double battle and then also increases attack, defense, special attack, special defense, and speed by one stage after the move is done. It can be seen being used against a Salamence and a Garchomp, and it one-shots both of those Pokemon. My speculation is that move's probably pretty strong. Uh, I think so, and it's a strong Dragon-type move. I was trying to figure out, like, what type is this move? And I was like, oh, it must be a Dragon-type move. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, there's the new so, Z-Ring, which seems to be black instead of white. Yeah, I didn't notice that in the trailer. Um, the trainers are so wearing a black Z-Ring. I'm trying to think of the other trailer. I know that the way that um, Poplio, Rowlet, the starters are presented to you is different because in the Sun and Moon, they're up on that little stage. Like when Hala brings them out to you, they're on that little... like. Uh, the sumo stage where he does the Alolan sumo yes. stuff and you have your first battle. Um, but they're not on that stage in this video. And then obviously there's different locations that you're visiting. And I know there's the one guy that says that he's a rock star. Uh, Ri Ri are... Riku? Riki. Sure. Riki. Ryuki. Ryuki. There we go. Sure. It's Ryu from Street Fighter. He from Keys. The the legendary I don't know where I was going with that. So he's a about, rock star with a poison type gym. <laughs> wait, 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 back, 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 back up, back up. What's up? What's up? Who is this person? Clearly, Never heard of him before. You, he is in Sun and Moon though. Original Sun and Moon? Yes. Where? I don't know where, but I watched a sh uh, I watched Shofu's video, and they talked about how. In Sun and Moon, he didn't do anything, but based on his design, which, I mean, if you've seen the Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon trailer here, it's clear that there's something more to him. 
But I think I, I think that's very relevant in in lots of Pokemon games where like the first time you see um who's that fairy chick that flirts with Lysander? Deanna. Uh yeah, but she's the champion. Well yeah, right. Like what when you see her for the first Spoiler time alert. when you see her for the first time, you're like, you're important because of the way you're designed. Oh yeah, because she walks around with like fairy wings on her yeah. back. So when you see Ryuki here in the trailer, you go, oh, you're important. Apparently, they existed somewhere in Sun and Moon. I guess I didn't get... I, I guess... I mean, I played Sun and Moon so fast to do all those I episodes. Didn't. And I'm playing it a, a second time, and I'm just like, unless this person was dressed as something else, and it's just like they made a comment of, I'm going to be a rock star someday, or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so you're right. The start the the trainer sees the three Pokemon on like a dirt ground instead of the stage. I'm just going through. Hey, this. hey that's grass. It's not dirt. No, it's it's like a road. Uh, there's a short scene of a rock ruff following the trainer. The trainer can be seen I, with. I never noticed that every time I've watched it, but it's, I, I've been told it's there. It's right before the executor dancing, right after the uh, three starter introduction. Uh, oh, the, in the part that goes by too fast for yes. Will. Okay. Uh, the Rockruff has a little uh, musical note above its head. To talk about this real quick, there was in the game file for Ultra Sun and, or for Sun and Moon. We talked about in the past how everything in that game can be high res. And that's why there was speculations that this could possibly be a Switch game because this game looks way too good for the 3DS on top of how it runs very poorly on the 3DS, even the new 3DS. Uh, that being said, also from the Sun and Moon game files, it has walking animations for every single Pokemon in the game. You can make them walk, and it looks like they walk. Just like in HeartGold, SoulSilver, except that animation was way simpler because they weren't 3D models, they were sprites. But... No Pokemon are walking during battles. Let me just tell you that. So the fact that every single Pokemon has a walking animation could speak to something. Does Possibly. the Rockruff following the trainer with the music note emoji above its head mean anything? Maybe. Clearly there is an importance to Rockruff and the new Lycanroc shown. So that could just be that. That could just be, hey, we're putting a little bit of focus on Rockruff. We're going to give you this exclusive Lycanroc. That could be the end of it. Or it could mean that the data for the walking animation that was found in Sun and Moon that was clearly not used in Sun and Moon might actually apply to Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and these Pokemon might follow you. That would be really cool. If it doesn't happen, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But I, I personally enjoyed the Pokemon following you in Heart Cold Soul Silver. Oh, heck yeah. We see a scene... What looks to be a trial with lights dim dimming down. Uh, we see three Alolan Executor dancing. This must. This is on the uh, what's that island called? Uh, Executor Island. Yeah, Executor Island. With the uh, there's a Magikarp boat that's roped up next to the tree next to that island. I don't remember yep. that Magikarp boat leaving Sun and Moon, the first island to begin with. I remember it just being docked the entire time. No, no, you had to take a boat to get to Executor Island. Well, I don't... Was it the Magikarp boat? I didn't think it was. It was a boat. I don't... It was a boat. Exactly. 
Uh, we see everyone's favorite character, Kahili. Lots of lore about her, aka no lore about her. It sounds like they wanted to do... Sun and Moon had to have been rushed, right? Like, they put it out <laughs> n- not finished. Like, you don't get to the Elite Four and see a person for the first time and get little to nothing about her, and now they're making her a focus? I don't know. Well, I mean, there was some stuff in the, the Grand Alolan Hotel that if you paid attention, if you knew she was coming later and you're paying attention, you're like, oh, this is where these two things go together. Okay. There was a golf course also right when you meet, um, what's that Team Plasma guy's name? Was that a golf course? There was a golf course a little bit past him where there were a bunch of golfers and they were like, oh, we're about to go golfing or, oh. oh no, no, they were golfing and they were practicing their swings in the parking lot of the motel. Yes. But- I will say for the keen-eyed player, there are a lot of references to golf in the story because Guzma's dad was mad at him because he wasn't a good golfer as well. Oh, if you what? pay attention to that. That's really funny. But that's because a lot of Japanese people go to Hawaii for golf vacations. All right. All right. So then we have Ryuki, who is a rock star, I guess. Uh, we see a lowland Volpix on the examining table at Team um, Team Ether's headquarters, the Ether Foundation headquarters. I don't know why I said Team Ether. So it's not a it's not a slowpoke anymore, right? Uh, we see a trainer running through a city where a clown building is built. I believe that's the Photoshop. Um, in, in one of those empty parking lots, we see the Machamp standing outside, so it looks like they, either Machamp wants to join the circus, or loves photography, or just finished building that building. We then see the, what I'm assuming to be a wormhole, open up above uh, one of the islands. Otherwise, it's dark purple clouds, but I don't know, it kind of makes sense if it's a wormhole. There, there's something about like dark clouds looking like a, like a black hole. Yeah. Going on with these games, definitely. Girl trainer no longer has the SpongeBob glove hat anymore. Uh, the male trainer has a fishing cap on. I don't know what they call those hats. I don't like those hats. Uh, it's not a Kangol. It's, uh, I mean, it's like a fisherman's hat. Yeah. Uh, we see the trainer, both trainers with new clothes. It shows off Rock Rough evolving into Dusk form Lycanroc. Uh, they spend more time on this Lycanroc than they do. <laughs> With the the first 30 seconds of the trailer. Like, the first 19 seconds, it takes 7 seconds to actually start showing footage. So, 12 seconds of footage we just covered. And then the, like, last 20 seconds of the 50 seconds are dedicated to Lycanroc. And then they show the cover art for the games available November 17th. And that's pretty much the trailer. And then you what you said, well, there was a separate trailer showing off the new... Z-move for Ko-O-Omo. And then going back to the Alolan Photo Club. This is off Bubblepedia. A new Pokemon, a new feature in Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. The Alola Photo Club has been revealed by Game Informer. At the Alola Photo Club, players can take pictures with their Pokemon. There are a variety of poses to choose from for the player and their Pokemon, including all the Z-move poses. Player can freely control the composition of the shot shot including the angle and position of the subjects in the scene after taking the photo a player can decorate the shop shot with various fr- stamps and frames the finished photo can be shared with other players using the game's communication feature 
Well, at least there's a communication feature. It would be a real waste of island real estate if there was more than one of these buildings in the entire game. If you're going to tell me that there's one Alola Photoshop center on every island and that's what all those construction points were, (laughs) are you like, what? That would be saying like you need a name raider on every single island. I mean, that would be real convenient. It would, while it would be convenient, yes. Uh, that is not what I'm looking for in these games. I do not want all these construction points to be photo centers. You only need one 24-hour Walgreens to get your photos printed. Sometimes you got to travel what if a little that farther. 24-hour Walgreens is like 10 miles away? You know, that's why, that's why you go at like 2 a.m. You miss traffic, you get in, you get out. If you jump over to uh, PokemonPodcast.com, I did. I overlaid the old map and the new map, and I pointed out the differences. I don't know if anyone else did that. That was the first thing I did when I got back from Gen Con is overlay these maps and point them out. Did you use a lot of arrows, all caps, and some X's? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I used some circles and, uh, you know, just pointed it out. I'll, again, you can go to PokemonPodcast.com to check out those maps. All of those construction points on the islands are filled in with buildings. The other thing that I didn't see anyone else point out is there's all these little tents on the beaches. I don't know if you saw this image that I made, Will. I have not seen it. You didn't put it on Twitter. I did tweet it. I tweeted it. I read every single one of your tweets, dude. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Starting at the topmost island. The Okay, so the first island is Melimele? Mele. So this is Melimele. So the thing on Melimele that I noticed is the construction spot that everyone thought was going to be a gym, is now this reddish building, which I'm assuming that's the photo center because that would make sense for it to be on the first island. Uh, You can see I circled that on the map. Yeah, you said gym question mark? Yes. I don't think it's a gym anymore, but again, I made these up really quick and then then I was reading what people said. What stood out to me the most is behind that rich hotel, there are two tents that appear on the beach. And that's All right, a hold on. That's a different island. No, same island, same island. It's behind the wormhole. There's some tents back there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that wasn't a hotel. That was a motel because that's uh yeah, so it's across from the cemetery. Yes, across from the cemetery. So if you go back to the original image, there wasn't even a beach there before. So my assumption True. is that the water is drying up. Because if we we jump over to a different island, you'll notice that there's little water there, but still staying on the first island, still staying on Mele Mele. So there are tents. I see what you say. There are tents behind the motel, which is next to the cemetery, and there's a beach that exists there never before. Going to the other corner of the island, there is a beach there as well, where if you look at the first image, there's no beach. There's like a little bit of sand. Smaller beach, yeah. But there's a way bigger beach on the second shot. Okay, so going to the island with the lighthouse and the really fancy motel, that's Ula Ula, right? Uh, no. That's the, that's the second island. Ula Ula. It's, I thought Ula Ula was the third island. It's completely escaping me. Akala is the second island. Oh, Okay. So if we go to Akala, which is the one with the name raider, the one with the lighthouse. <laughs> the important one, yes. The one with the farm, 
What? Ranch. Ranch. And then the one with the four-way battle area. Okay, so this island has more tents. Uh, if you see behind, so when you dock, you dock at that big building. That's where the name raider is. Right behind that building, there's now a bunch of sand and a tent. That never existed there before. If you So it's the ferry station is kind of what it's behind now. Yes. Uh, and then if you go down to where uh, you get the Pikachu Z-Ring, which is near the lighthouse, there was construction there, and there is now a building there which looks very similar to the building on the first island. It's the same color of red with yellow above the door, which makes me believe that that's another Pokemon photo center. And if that's the case, I'm going to be real upset because I don't <laughs> care about taking pictures with my Pokemon. But that's fine. I'm sure some people do. I don't think you need multiple places for that. You may. You may learn to want that. Okay, so like right next to the Pokemon Center in the first island, there was not a building. There was construction there. On the new Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon map, there is a new building. It is a gray slate building. It's very hard to tell what it is, but that building is now there. Going over to the research center where you meet Professor Kakui's wife, right? Mrs. Kakui, yes. Mrs. Kakui. There is a new, bigger, crystal-like satellite in that parking lot that wasn't there in the first game. It's very hard to a see. A crystal light satellite? It, it's, it's like a satellite, but it's more blue and looks crystallized. Oh, not like a sugar-free... Yeah, not like sugar cane. Okay, so no, why crystal I... Crystal light. Why I think the water is, er is eroding the right word? Why uh, Receding, I think, is okay. the better word so while i think the water is receding is one you have all these new beaches with tents on them but secondly on this island if you look there is no water in any of like the the fountains <gasps> oh dear you didn't circle that but yeah if you look at where um was it lana who is the the water type challenge Yes. Her whole section, all of the pools that you would walk through to get where the wishy-washy kept going down and down and down, they're all empty. Yep. And the Oh dear, environmental disaster. The water in the fountains outside of the Royal Arena, those fountains are empty. And then the fountains inside of the really rich hotel, those fountains are empty. Not to mention the water under the bridge connecting the original city to the fancy hotel that is also dried up and the water is more shallow underneath the bridge how sad uh the other thing to note is right outside of the track where there, there's like that circle track right outside of the mass royal battle arena there's a new house over there it does not look like the photo center it is a white house with a red and black roof uh, which didn't exist before. Interesting. I also think that uh, behind the really rich hotel, that's a golf course. I don't know if that was uh, like clearly that's in the first game, but I don't know if you could ever access it. But like that's definitely a golf course, isn't it? Um, you can see it really well on the on the on the original Sun and Moon image. Like it's like the grass is alternating in darkness and color. I don't know how you. Yeah, like mowed grass. Yeah, like if you if you mowed it in certain areas, I'm hmm. Where is, where do you get, uh, Stuffle? Stuffle? Yeah, is that in that area? I don't know. 
I'm trying to think because you have to go over. There's the it's the like the the, the ancestral ruins where they they had the other cemetery. I want to say that that is that area. Hmm. Before we go to the third island, which is Ula Ula, you'll notice in the new map there's a bunch of waylords and flying Pokemon leaving Ula Ula, heading towards the Ether Foundation. That's not in the first map, which leads me to believe that there's some sort of migration happening. Uh, which probably has to do with the water receding. Uh, moving on to Ula Ula, which is where you would battle the Elite Four. That's where the desert is. That's where the power plant... Not not the power plant. The No, the power plant's there. That's where the giant altar is. That's also where Team Skull lives. Uh, just for clarification for those not seeing the map. Uh, so we do see on the new map that the Elite Four is built... Which makes that that's not a shocker because obviously when we start the game the Elite Four is not built, so that map of course wouldn't have that on it. But now we do see the entrance to the Elite Four at the top of uh, Mount Snowville. I don't know what the mountain's called offhand. Uh, like was it Lanikala? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Okay, so if we go to the city with the wannabe burned tower, we see that's that's the that's the park slash fountain area where you encounter Guzma for the first time. Uh, we see that there's a lot that is empty. This is also where you meet a lowland oak for the first time. So we see that the lot is empty. In the new screenshot, we see a new building. It has an orange roof uh, and a greenish base. It looks very different than the other five buildings that exist in that lot. So I'm not exactly sure what that is. But again, that does not look like the photo center that's happening. The other thing is to the uh, south. East of the beaches, we see that a new we see that a beach exists there. There are two tents on that beach. So again, more tents are existing. I don't know what these tents are for. I don't know if they're battle tents. I don't know if they're item tents. I don't know what they're for. But there are, there's a lot of tents in this game. The other thing that I haven't seen anyone point out that on the top of uh, Mount Snowville here, there's a huge crater uh, right where the elevator is. And if you look at the very first map. Um, there is no crater existing there. So that's definitely new. That's a change. Um, I think the crater is more interesting than like the the new buildings because that, that definitely signifies something. And then finally, the last island, uh, which I can never remember the name because I spent the least amount of time there. Pony. Pony Island. There, there are no rocks leading over to Executor Island. And there are new rocks... Uh, where you find uh, Tapu Lele. Yeah, Tapu Lele's on that island. Uh, no. Yeah. The fairy water. The last... Over by the geysers? The last... uh, yeah, but the, it's, not, it's not Tapu Lele. Tapu Lele's on the... Oh, Tapu Coco's on the first one. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I know my, my Pokemon. My brain is fried. Uh, I don't see any other differences on that island. Uh, it's much darker, but that's because the wormhole is existing over that island. Uh, and then there, well, there is the battle tree, which uh, in the original screenshot, the battle tree has like sun shining on it. And in the, in the ultra sun and ultra moon, it's just really dark. Yeah. And I would say that there's also a water, water source shortage at the Pony Gauntlet, which is the northern part of that island as well. Oh, right, right. Uh, the other thing people were asking about is there's a uh, island right behind... Um, Akala, that's like a little island with a beanstalk, and if you look at the original Sun and Moon art, you can kind of see that island, but there's a bunch of clouds in front of it. That island is just, uh, 
Beanville. What's it called? <laughs> uh, Beantopolis. Beanarino. Yeah, it's um, not the Festival Plaza, but the other one. It's it's where <laughs> you teleport to. You fly to. You fly to it. It's where uh, Lily's dad lives. Exactly. Oh boy, we're uh, it's the Isle of You and po- the Poke- Isle of Beans. Pokepelago. Pokepelago. Nice save. <laughs> Good old Pokepelago. Also, Executor Island is missing some grass. Uh, if if that's worth anything. Has anything changed with um, Team Skullville? Uh, now it's still got a wall around yeah, it? Yeah, I looked pretty closely at that because uh, with Team, Team Skullville, you can see... Uh, it's called Potown, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You can see the Pokemon Center. You can see one, two, three, four. You can see the six houses, and then you can see the mansion in the new one. In the old one... Oh, actually, it looks like a new house got built there. Um, yeah, a new house definitely got built if you zoom in close enough. So on the original Sun and Moon, you can see uh, one, two, three, four, five houses. And then uh, the south end of the town, that house is actually like falling apart. You can can't, you can barely see it in the very first screenshot. So you see the Pokemon Center, you see five houses, and then you see the ruins of what should be a six house. And then you see the mansion. Interesting. But yeah, also the altar on uh, Ula Ula has a bunch of water around it in the first one and the new one. Uh, there's no water around the altar, so hopefully, with with the with the amount of water that's disappearing, we're gonna see less basculin. That's really what we can hope for here. Did you see any basculin? <laughs> no, no, I was <laughs> <laughs> like, if you saw basculin, you're playing a different game than I was. So yeah, I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, if you want to check out those maps, it's just PokemonPodcast.com. It's on the it's on the front page. I don't do a lot of features, but when I feel like no one else is doing something, I feel like I, I, I need to jump on that, and I didn't see anyone circling the differences between these maps, and I think that is important, especially when uh, some people are saying uh, Ryuki is important, and I don't remember that person at all, so at least nope. this is my way to contribute to the speculation leading up to Sun and Moon. I think that's all the Sun and Moon-related stuff. I'm looking here... Uh, to make sure we didn't miss anything. Yeah, I think that's all we can squeeze out of this. <laughs> yes, and for- particular fruit. Fortunately enough, uh, there was no news in the last week, so we had plenty of time to catch up. Very excited for these games, but let's move over to some emails. Before we get to emails, and before I forget, speaking of Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Moon, we are running a contest right now that you can find on Twitter, or if you go to PokemonPodcast.com, there's a bar at the very top of the screen that says uh, how to enter the contest. You can just click on that. But pretty much what it is, is that we are giving away digital copies of both Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon. So maybe you're missing one of the versions, or you have a friend that you want to gift that to. Uh, I will if you if you win, I will send you a digital code for that, so you can do whatever you want with that. If you want to, you know, give it to a friend, give it to a family member, redeem it yourself, use it on a different 3ds that you have. So the contest is: we're giving away both a digital copy of Pokemon Sun to one winner and a digital copy of Pokemon Moon to another winner. The person who wins first gets their choice of which one they want. The runner-up gets the leftovers. Each winner will also get a forty-dollar Amazon gift card. And these can be used for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, or you can use them for whatever you want. I mean, once you get the gift card, you know, go go 
go wild with it. Use it on Ultra Sun Ultra Moon pre-order. Use it on you know uh, new Z ring. Use it on some diapers. Use it whatever whatever you want. Pretty much. You, you ready for? <laughs> I was going to give you a flash news update. Flash news me. It's the flash news. And it's proof of what terrible Pokemon players we are. Are, are you sure you can handle it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Do you know how in Pokemon Sun and Moon they added that new feature where once you become champion, when you go back to the Elite Four, new people will show up to challenge you for the champion title? Is Ryuki one of those? <laughs> yes. All right. Good. <laughs> We are experts at this franchise. <laughs> okay, so back to the contest. Again, you can check Twitter. As of this recording, there's like 10 days left to enter. You can check PokemonPodcast.com. Really easy to enter. Uh, you got to follow us on Twitter. That's one entry. You gotta If you follow us on SoundCloud, that's another entry. If you subscribe to us on uh, YouTube, that's another entry. If you watch our Leaf Green playthrough on YouTube... Uh, that's another entry. So there's eight ways to enter. That's eight people. That's eight ways to get in. Uh, and these are digital. These are U.S. digital copies for Sun and Moon. So if you have like a Japanese 3DS, it's not going to work. Just to let you know. Again, we'll probably talk about this next week because there'll be one week left in the contest. But go ahead, enter that. I encourage you to. Yes. Okay. So back to emails. If you have any emails, questions, comments, concerns, you can email us sbj at pkmncast.com or while you're on pokemonpodcast.com entering that contest you can also hit the contact button that will take you to the email area where you can email us we got some emails this email is from jordan from tri-cities washington hey guys i just want to send you my send you guys my comments on the few things from the last couple episodes one i really like the segment you guys had a while back when you talked about nidoran about what it was based on and a little background on it. And yeah, so do you guys have plans on doing that again? Number two, I always found it frustrating that Gyarados could not learn fly, but it can, it can learn bounce, aerial ace, and other flying type moves. I did find it funny that Doduo can learn fly, but the funny part in Pokemon Stadium on Nintendo 64 is Doduo's fly animation is that it takes off the ground, jumps upwards, and flies. Number three, for Travis... Although you weren't my favorite on the show, Travis, you will be missed. I always looked forward to hearing you talk about the Pokemon of the Week, but I always loved hearing you and Will team up on SBJ over just about anything. This might be late, but good luck on the rest of your journey, and I hope all things go good for you, and I was happy to finally hear that email. Thanks for everything you do, guys, and sorry for the long email, Jordan. That was a long email? Uh, We get real long emails sometimes. (laughs) I think uh, like Pokemon like Nidoran or whatever, there we we go a little more in depth with Pokemon. Sometimes we don't. I guess it just it just depends on how we we specifically feel about that Pokemon. I don't know, Will, if you have any comments about that. No, I it's just that there are Pokemon where it's obvious, and there's Pokemon where it's really not obvious, and sometimes we just feel the need to unravel those mysteries, especially when the Pokemon company is especially. Uh, slow on releasing news for us to talk about we got to come up with something folks wait for another dry spell give us a mystery pokemon we'll spend about two hours trying to unravel that dude as for gyarados yeah i share the same complaints i think it's weird that gyarados can learn bounce but can't learn fly i think it's weird that gyarados is a flying pokemon that can't really fly uh i'm all for pokemon 
Uh, rec- is it retconning? 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 Yep. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I'm all for Pokemon changing their own game. I think that's fine. They've definitely done it in the past with, with Steel Pokemon and Dark Pokemon. They've definitely done it in the past with Fairy Pokemon. They've done it when they split uh, physical and special attack into two different things. I think that's the only way Pokemon can actually push forward is by making changes like that. No, I agree. I agree. The games can change over time. And finally, uh, I'm sure if Travis was listening, they would appreciate you know, the nice things you said about them. We have to find this new balance, though, Will. We talked about this, uh, of how um, we weren't, we weren't going to replace Travis right away. Uh, mostly because Travis left right before we went to Gen Con. We're doing this episode now. I'm leaving for PAX next week. And then it'll probably be you and you and me again after that. And, you know, if we need a third, we can always get Micah or Logan or Irene or, you know, Greg or Aaron. Well, also, because uh, <laughs> Travis is irreplaceable, you know, yes. in general. Travis filled that very good void that we may be missing now where uh, I have very strong opinions. And I think that that comes across very clearly on the show. And there was always this dynamic where either you agreed with me or Travis agreed with me, but there was always like this weird trifecta where all three of us never agreed on the same thing. This is true. This is true. <laughs> and it would be... Va- we, we agree on that. And then Travis would probably be disagreeing with us right now. Well, yeah, that's true. We've agreed on a lot this episode, but I, I have always never wanted the show to be the three of us agreeing. Like, I think that's very... What makes ISE stand out, at least to me, maybe I'm wrong, is that somebody can listen to the show and agree with Travis, and then me come in and disagree with Travis, and then somebody agrees with me. So there is, there is a voice for everyone listening, whether they're agreeing with me on Pokemon Go or disagreeing with me on the TCG, or then vice versa, agreeing with you on the TCG and disagreeing with you on lore there's always uh, a connection a listener can have and if we all agreed we would be segmenting we would be uh splitting that listener base of like oh they all agree on the same thing i don't agree to this where's where's my voice of reason yeah and also be pretty dull (laughs) uh this is from logan from alberta utah Dear SBJ and crew, I really appreciate all the things you do to light up my dreamy Mondays with exciting content and funny jokes. My all-time favorite episode would be episode 69. just want to say thank you to Travis for all they contributed to the show. I also have some questions. I'm sorry if you've already answered it, but I'm really curious. So, in Pokemon Sun and Moon, when you beat the fire trial, Colrus walks up to you. He gives you some items for Genesect, then leaves. My question is, do you think that he has a big role in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, or is it just a red herring to get us speculating? Personally, I don't think that such a big character in Black and White 2 would just appear and have nothing to do with the story. Do you guys have any speculation? I would love to hear them. Thanks for what you guys do. The best Logan in Utah. P.S. I am also living proof that a cowboy can be a pokey nerd. Hey, I know a lot of cowboy poke nerds. <laughs> You're not the only one. Uh, do you have any speculation? So I think of Colrus appearing in Sun and Moon in two ways. One, they had to have some way to get you those items, <laughs> right? DNA splicers, yeah, Genesect, yeah, yeah. 
uh, little cannon enhancers and stuff like that. But also using him as the character for that, it it's it's a nod to the fact that Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon is kind of them doing black and white too conceptually again. So in that in that way, I don't think he's going to have any kind of key influence on any of the plot points that they they will have. Uh, you know, Colrus uh, was not about wormholes. Colrus was about bringing out the ultimate power of your Pokemon, which they have continued to explore through the. Um, Z rings and everything like that. So I I think that they would rely on other characters uh, to bring that forward, and he won't be appearing in in an influential way uh, in the new series or in Ultra Sun Ultra Moon. I I don't think so. Next email here is from Alistair Forby from somewhere in Sweden. I definitely can't say that word. Uh, How's it spelled? A with a circle above it. All right. So I already don't know how that's pronounced. A K-E-R-S-B-E-R-G-A. Eskerberga? I don't know what the A with the circle uh, means. Is that... Uh, it's like... I think it's just to to preserve like an ah sound, ah, maybe. Askerberga. So, so, so you don't say at... So you don't say Askerberger. You say Askerberger. Oh, I see. like that. Greetings from Sweden. Hi, my name is Alistair, longtime listener from Sweden. Uh... <laughs> SBJ, please feel free to pronounce my hometown's name, Ackerberger, uh, I- 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 close enough. Before editing this email, the following sentence reads like this. I don't have a favorite, but I wouldn't mind if Micah replaced one of you more often. <laughs> oh, wow. Micah can replace SBJ. Anyways, I've been listening to the show for about two years now, and it's my second favorite podcast after... Podquisition. I've never heard of that show. They have Not to. Me either. They have to be good for a second. Uh, I started working in construction around the time I needed something in my ears, and I was dying from boredom. So I started to look for new podcasts. Being a big Pokemon fan for almost all my life, I typed in Pokemon in the search bar, and your show is what I found. I listened to the latest episode and liked what I heard, and I scrolled down and started listening to episode one. I am so sorry. <laughs> wow. Wanting to listen to every episode in min- in order, I listened for five minutes, then stopped and decided to go through them in reverse order. That's the uh, that's the real. You did it right. Three questions for you guys. What was even Pokemon Purple Edition? Number two. When you go back and listen to the podcast on yourselves, how far do you go back before the quality gets awful for you to handle? Number three. What are each of your favorite podcasts that you listen to on your free time that you are not involved with in any way? These are all good questions. Keep up the good Pretty work. Uh, you always have a listener in me. Much love, Alistair. P.S. Travis, I will miss you. Good luck in life. And thank you for uh, so much of entertainment you've given me throughout the years. Uh, I'll start with uh, Pokemon Purple Edition. That So the show was called in iTunes, Pokemon Podcast. And then I subtitled it purple edition because red and blue were called red edition uh blue edition right and the cover art at the time was purple uh if if you are a web developer you like hex numbers the purples i use is uh three three zero zero six six and six six zero zero six six so those are the two purples i use the new purple i use now is nine nine three three cc uh but anyways i didn't after like six episodes i was like this doesn't 
I wanted to get away from using the word Pokemon, although owning PokemonPodcast.com is a really good domain and really good for Google SEO. So I kept that, right? Because PokemonPodcast.com just re- redirects to PKMNCast.com. But I wanted to... Obviously, this is a Pokemon podcast, so it's very easy to say, we're the Pokemon podcast, because that's what we do here. And so when I was thinking of new names, It's Super Effective stood out to me. I made sure that no other podcast was using It's Super Effective. No one was. Uh, I think there was a webcomic at the time that used just Super Effective. So that's why I changed Purple Edition to Super Effective, because I wanted to make sure that if I did change the iTunes artwork, which happened, because I wanted to get away from using uh, Sugimori's artwork and use custom artwork that there was no like, hey, we're not using official artwork, we're not using the word Pokemon, blah, blah, blah. So that's what that was. Uh, Will, how, uh, when you go back and listen to the podcast, how far are you willing to go back before it gets too bad to listen to? Why, why would I ever go back? I'm on a train moving forward, folks. <laughs> you posted. If I need to listen to myself talk. I will just stand in front of a mirror. <laughs> you posted the two-year anniversary show on Block Talk Radio, so that was because that was cute. <laughs> that was five years because you called into that, right? Yes, that was the first time my voice ever appeared on this podcast. And that I don't know what episode that was. That must have been like episode I don't know, like eighty or something. Some, something like that, yeah. I listened to that, and boy, was that just cringeworthy. Like, okay. Yeah, it was. It, did, it doesn't help that I probably, at the time, used Blog Talk Radio's audio, because I think that was the only way I could get the call, the calls that came in to be actually on the show, if I, if I remember right. That was like five years ago. So that audio already sounded like super compressed and super terrible. <laughs> The inflection in my voice and how unenthusiastic it was and how monotone it was was very like, ah, how could people listen to this? How did people, people like you, Will, who called in, who are very excited, how, what was your mindset of listening to me then? Because it was bad. I mean, I just enjoyed Pokemon. I guess. And, and there you were. <laughs> I don't, I've never had a problem with the inflection in your voice, but I know that's something that you have worked on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think of me going back and listening to episodes in... I can't remember episode numbers, but I can remember locations I've been in and where I was recording and when I got different equipment. So that's what I kind of picture in my head. So I've been living in this current location for i think three years now and i was recording in a a a, a smaller room which then we turned into irene's yoga like area meditation yoga area and then so i moved into a different room and then during that time i switched microphones from an at2020i to an re20 and that's when i felt like the show got better when I was on the AT2020, and then I think the show got really better when I switched the RE20. So I just remember that, but I don't know I don't know what episodes those are. I could probably go back and listen. And I, I was listening to the show a lot more in the past when the show was streaming consistently on, oh, I can't remember, Mixler. Because it was very easy to turn on Mixler and then just hear a random show. Yeah, so I guess that's that. Uh, 
Will, what is your favorite podcast that you are involved in? My favorite podcast that I am not involved favorite in. Favorite podcast that you listen to on your free time. And the, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Well, let's hear them. Let's hear them. Well, not all of them are safe for family. <laughs> all right. Well, you gave the warning, so possibly not safe for family or work. So, well, oh, well, okay. So, I would recommend for anybody who's over the age of 14, I think Savage Love is an excellent uh, podcast, even if you don't agree with Dan Savage on his opinions and everything. I think that he does present an interesting perspective on relationships that I more often agree with him than I do not. Um, I used to listen to All Songs Considered. Don't listen to that anymore. Um, Answer Me This is really good if you want to hear British people talk about words and answer questions and be silly. I am not involved with The Carve, but I do enjoy The Carve you have, quite a bit. You have nothing to do with The Carve. <laughs> that's true. I listen to The Gayest of All Time with Johnny McGovern, which I have listened to for over a decade now. <laughs> it's terrible, but I do enjoy it quite a bit. Um, What else? Lore. I think we both can agree lore is real good. Oh, I gave up on uh, lore. Did you? Well, I still listen to it. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman. Uh, let's see. Uh, actually, I have really cut down. Radio Lab is really good. Star Talk I used to listen to, but it just got to be a bit too much. Uh, I used to listen to Star Talk. Star. Star Talk Radio. Talk, yeah. Uh, this, um, this American Life I don't listen to anymore. Um, but Till Death Do Us Blart. Um, I don't listen to my brother, my brother and me anymore, but I do listen to Till Death Do Us Blart because they only do one episode a year. Can't complain about that. What a podcast. Um, there you go. And uh, welcome to Night Vale. You still listen to that? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't want to turn away from it. I, oh I Yeah. And then other stuff. I mean, I listen to some Card Fight Vanguard podcast, but they're my enemies. So obviously right. not uh going to. Oh, uh, Murmur. I listen to even though so do you are you familiar with Murmur at all? No. So it's this guy in New York City and he puts up flyers and he's uh basically, you know, people call him and they set up an appointment, they come to his house and then they record like a half an hour to an hour conversation and it's literally just a conversation with this guy. I find him to be incredibly distasteful. Like his personality is uh, on the list of people who I could potentially have as friends. He he no. I could not be <laughs> friends with his personality. And I think the only reason I listen is because he aggravates me so much that I need to understand where that aggravation what? is coming from. But I mean, they're good conversations. The, the people, the people who come in, right. It's not just him on his own. Yeah. So yeah. there's other people who come in and talk. So they are good conversations. It's interesting to learn about, you know, life in New York City and everything like that. It's just the host I find so incredibly distasteful that I can't stop listening. See, I feel like there, there was there was a podcast I used to listen to called Talking Simpsons. It was a Simpsons recap podcast. And, I mean, I enjoyed it because I'm such a big Simpsons fan and I love hearing details about Simpsons episodes that, you know, I could spend my own, like, time researching and looking up. But it's it is, there is value and really fun uh, of somebody like talking about an episode and pointing out things you might not know because they did the research and everything. So it just makes it enjoyable. But there was one person on that podcast, and I won't say who, that I just couldn't stand. And to the point where it was just like, it is no longer enjoyable for me to listen to this when you talk. And so I just can't do it anymore. I can't spend 35 minutes a week listening to something I just 
that just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I think I talked about the podcast I've listened to before uh, that I'm not involved with. Uh, the one, the one that I don't miss. I'll I'll talk about the ones I don't miss uh, any week. Uh, the one would be the Verge Cast, which is a show about technology, and you know they mostly talk about Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon, pretty much the four big tech giants that exist in this world. I listen to the Giant Bombcast and the Giant Beast Cats. Uh, which are both Giant Bomb products. Giant Bomb Cast comes out on Tuesdays. Giant Beast Cast comes out on uh, Fridays. So I listen to both those. I listen to Reply All every week, even though I'm never satisfied with Reply All. Reply, Reply All is like journalistic stories. That I don't know if you've ever listened to Reply All, Will, but it, they're, nope. they're like stories that journalists go out. They're really, really good until like the last five minutes, and then it usually ends up like, Okay, we don't really have a solid conclusion, so uh, we'll see you guys next week. It's like watching a really good movie and then all of a sudden walking out before the last 10 minutes are up. Like, you you just never know what happened. So, it's like eating a piece of cake, except you're saving the frosting for the very last. Like, you eat from the inside of the cake out, and then somebody takes your plate away before you ever get to the yeah, frosting. Yeah, that's a good example. Horrible. That's like, Horrible that's like every episode of Reply All. Um <laughs> And then I started listening to Dissect, which is a serialized music podcast. Oh, that's awful. Do not recommend that podcast. You don't like the guy's voice. Because it's completely talking about tonality. It's completely monotone. And he's like, this was the period in Kanye's life when he was uh, considering cultural differences between uh, the different populations of America. And you can hear in this particular lyric how he brings that out in contrast to the way that he has accumulated his millions of dollars and his relationship with the Kardashians. I'm like, wow, way to make an exciting topic as boring as humanly possible. I like, I like Dissect. <laughs> so those, those are the shows I've been... Those are the shows I listen to every single week. There are a bunch of podcasts where I'll, I'll, I'll maybe skip an episode or kind of like fast forward or skim through it depending on topics. There you go. Uh, was that all? That was all the questions. But yeah, thank you for the email. Uh, we'll do one more before we wrap up here. Our last email here is from Michael from Southington, Connecticut. Hey guys, my birthday is on, on Sunday, and I was wondering if you guys could wish me a happy belated birthday. That's it? That's it. Uh, I mean, oh, happy birthday, dude. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> it was a question, and we answered it. Happy birthday. Dude, if you... If you were on my, if you were one of my Facebook friends, I would type a little "Happy Birthday, Dude" because I do that every time I see somebody's birthday come up on my Facebook. There you go. Uh, this episode's really long, so let's move on to Pokemon of the Week. You ready? I'm the ready. Biology of a Rhydon. If I can do this without laughing. <sighs> Rhydon is a large gray bipedal Pokemon with features of both dinosaurs and rhinoceroses. It has cream-colored, drill-like horn on its snout, the female having a smaller horn than the male. There are other protrusions on the head as well, including a spike curving forward with, from the middle of its head, two triangular points resembling ears to the sides, a wide wavy crest under the ears, and spicy ridges on... Spiky ridges on its spicy. cheeks. Oops. <laughs> Got them spicy ridges. That's ruffles, folks. Uh, it has red eyes and two fangs protruding from its upper jaw. It has a cream-colored stomach and a row of spikes down its back. Rhydon has a long tail with skinny black stripes. 
Rhydon is a physically powerful Pokemon. It is recorded as being able to topple buildings with a sweeping blow of its tail, and its horn is able to bore through solid rock and shatter diamonds. Rhydon is protected from heat and physical blows by its armor-like hide. It is stated to be capable of passing unscathed through streams of magma and withstanding a direct blow from a cannonball without being harmed. However, because of, its t- of this tough hide, it is insensitive. Rhydon has a well-developed brain, but can also be forgetful. It lives in rough terrain. Mm. Very insensitive. Don't get into a relationship with the Rhydon if you need a lot of emotional uh, reassurances. Uh, we'll do a moveset here for Rhydon. We're going to do Pokemon Go, since you guys liked that moveset a lot last time. Plus, Worlds is over. You guys don't need movesets right now. So, in Pokemon Go, if you get a Rhydon... By the way, Pokemon Go spawns have just recently changed. So, I think Will is seeing more Rhyhorns in his area. Correct. Uh, the best two moves you can get on Rhydon is Mud Slap and Earthquake. Rhydon's two quick moves are Mud Slap and Rock Smash. Mud Slap being the better choice because of the stab and the charge moves that Rhydon can get are Stone Edge, Megahorn, and Earthquake. Again, Earthquake is the better move here. Not only does it do 120 damage instead of 100 or 90 versus the other two moves, but it does get that stab bonus as well. Well, I guess Stone Edge gets a stab bonus, but Earthquake does more damage and gets a stab. Those are your choices. Rhydon can be completed in level 3 raids? Level 4 raids? I can't remember. but. Oh, I don't know. You know, they, they exist. Uh, according to interviews with Ken Sugimari, Rhydon was the first Pokemon ever created. This further supported as the index number 001 in Generation 1, as well as early ca- sketches from Capsule Monsters featuring Rhydon. Ash's Pikachu fought Blaine's Rhydon in the anime and defeated it, despite it being ground immune, despite it being ground, which is immune to electric attack. Rhydon's horn serves as a lightning rod, which negates electric attacks as the as of the rules for Pokemon for the Pokemon effect. Since then, that battle has been brought up frequently in a comparison between the games and the anime and uh, spawned the popular misquoted Pokemon internet meme, Pikachu aim for the horn. Since Rhydon's index number was 001 in Generation 1, a glitched Pokemon with an index number of 000 or that is greater than 152 will be reverted to Rhydon when the Pokedex entry is viewed. Rhydon and its evolution share the category name with Nidoqueen and Nidoking. They are all known as the Drill Pokemon. And if you get a shiny Rhydon, it is like sand color instead of blue, bluish gray. That's actually a really cool Sure. <laughs> it looks like it just got out of a bunch of like, it looks like it was in a sandstorm. That's what I would say. It's a really cool shiny. Well, I think that brings uh, us to the end of this episode. It, some of you will be probably pretty happy that it was as long as it was. <laughs> uh, some of you will probably be very upset that it was this long, but you probably didn't make it this, this far. Who knows? If you did make it this far, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. A little bit of house cleaning. I will be at PAX West this weekend. I will be there the entire weekend. If you are at PAX West, if you are in Seattle, if you want to meet up, please do not hesitate to tweet at me, at Pokemon Podcast at Twitter, on Twitter, at Dragging a Lake on Twitter. I'm more than happy to meet up with you. I will probably have buttons with me, so if you find me, I will give you a button, a Pokemon Podcast button. 
We will be speaking on Monday at 12.30 at PAX, so just keep that in mind. We have the giveaway going, so check out PokemonPodcast.com for that giveaway. It is free to enter, so do that. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, don't feel free to email me, sbj at pkmncast.com. Uh, Will is on Twitter, at WashingtonTheSync. If you haven't done so yet, and you like the show, if you made it this far, if the two hours was not regrettable for you, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. I don't know, open up iTunes on your computer or on your phone. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. We have a Patreon. You probably know about that. Patreon.com slash it's super effective. I'm not going to talk much about that. You guys probably already know. Supports the show. You don't need to, but it'd be nice. But don't worry about it if you can't. I think that's it. I don't have anything else. <laughs> oh, oh, finally, this is what I was going to remember. I've been doing more stuff on the Pokemon Podcast YouTube page. So youtube.com slash pkmncast. There are a bunch of Pokemon Center reviews. There will be more reviews coming. I already have them recorded. I just have to edit them in Final Cut. There is the uh, live play live playthrough of Leaf Green, which is myself, Micah, and Irene. We're streaming that on Twitch. And if you miss the Twitch, we're putting it on YouTube. What's really cool about that is it is a legit copy of Leaf Green. And we are taking those Pokemon all the way from Leaf Green, and we are moving them up to Sun and Moon, and then we are trading them to you guys. So if you care about that, if you want to watch us play, and uh, see the journey of Pikachu, see the journey of Merak, see the journey of Frosting, those are all Pokemon that we are using and moving up to Sun and Moon, and then trading to you guys. So lots of participation, uh, lots of laughs. I think it's funny. Check our YouTube for that. That would that would be very awesome. That that's that's that, that's the if if anything, check our YouTube. I think that's it. So, thank you all for listening. Thank you for making it this far. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are Super Westerockers. Effective. your deal.